0: You are listening to the Mom is Getting Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is Episode 80. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 80. Welcome to the Mom is Getting Tired Podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms. How is everything? We're here in the end of August. Lots of kids heading back to school or heading back to laptops (laughs) or doing school on phones. Uh, It's a strange start to the school year. Some people are able to go back in person if they live in certain districts. I'm realizing it's like depends on how many cases you have. And some states or districts you get to choose. You you can can send your kids to in-person school, or you can do at-home online learning. So crazy. Such an interesting time. So I have, I'm <laughs> it's like coming off of the greatest summer of my life. Like it has truly been, when I look back in my entire life, the best summer I've ever had, which is so strange and surprising. If you had told me in April that that was going to be the case, I would not have believed you. And I was trying to think of why, why was it so great? And I realized, I mean, the majority of it's because I have spent So much time in nature. It just feels like I've been on vacation for two months. And you might notice I'm using past tense. And it's not actually because my high schooler is back to school. This is her first week back. She's very independent. She takes care of herself. And it really has not affected me at all. What has changed is this fire season has begun. So now here I am up in my lake house, which has been this little slice of heaven removed from uh, just the population density where I normally live in the city. And so I can walk around without masks and worrying about COVID or anything like that. But now we had this incredible incredible lightning storm, which is apparently like what you would get in the South, Midwest. It was awesome. (laughs) Those of you who live with lightning storms, like, okay, maybe I just appreciate it because we don't really get those. So it was very unusual for us here in California to have this awesome lightning storm, but it sparked over 500 fires in the state And now our state is on fire and there's smoke everywhere. And so my outdoor living lifestyle is coming to an end because there is a lake. I'm still looking at it, but it does not look as appealing. I don't want to go outside and breathe that air. So best summer of my life has come to an abrupt stop. And I remember back in the spring when... Uh, we were just getting used to this quarantine, shelter in place, and how every time I cried, (laughs) it was a cloudy or rainy day, or like it was a day I couldn't go outside. So it'll be interesting, and it actually kind of lends itself to today's topic. Um, But before I get started on today's question of the day, I want to invite you To share this podcast with your friends. There is a lot of moms out there who are really struggling and very overwhelmed. And I cannot accommodate hundreds and thousands of clients. (laughs) But if you know anybody who, tends to put a lot of pressure on themselves, try really hard, maybe errs on the side of perfectionism or is very anxious or worried or is just stressed, please share this podcast with them because I think it could be really helpful and you could post on social media or just share it on your phone. You can like text it to somebody and say, hey, this might be a good podcast for you. You might enjoy listening to this. Uh, I because I still I love to do one on one coaching. I do have a group that after people complete my one on one coaching program, they get some people get a special invitation to join a group if I feel like it's a good fit for them. And so that has been super fun and awesome. But I want to still be able to do the one on one coaching. And uh, so having this podcast is my way of kind of helping people that I cannot help or reach so, feel free to share it with them. I'm going to be doing a webinar soon on overcoming overwhelm. <laughs> Do you think anybody out there might be feeling overwhelmed with all this online schooling and just just the craziness? So, overwhelm is tends to be like a mental clutter thing. So, it's we used to think that it we used to blame all the extracurricular activities. Well, I'm driving around and I've got boy scouts and I've got soccer games and I've got You know, birthday parties and uh, school, field trips, we used to think that that was the cause of the overwhelm. And now that has greatly reduced. And so now if you're still at home or your life has kind of, mm, the busyness has reduced and you're still feeling overwhelmed, then we want to take a look at what's going on inside your head to give you that feeling. So I'm going to be doing a webinar on that coming up in September. But today's episode comes from Sabrina. Sabrina. And she writes, Tori, hi, I am struggling with how I should model resilience for my kids when I'm not feeling very resilient. I have three teens that are all doing online school starting tomorrow. I wish I could feel and model being more upbeat, but I just want to cry. Any advice? Well, absolutely. (laughs) I always think it's funny when people think life coaching is giving advice. And it's like, mm, Mm. that is the opposite of what life coaching is. Life coaching helps you find your own answers. But here on this podcast, I get to give advice. So the question of how do I model resilience for my kids when I just want to cry? Well, today's parent educator answer is I think we should start by talking about what resilience is and why you'd even want to model it. So the definition of resilience from the Oxford English Dictionary is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. So perfect thing, right? We want our kids to be resilient, especially during this crazy year we've had. Resilience is a word that grew in popularity among child psychologists a few decades ago when they realized that trying to give kids high self-esteem wasn't working. They thought resilience was a better aim. Resilient children don't just bounce back from adversity. They bounce back with a positive outlook. It's the difference between, I failed the class because I didn't turn in my homework. Guess I'll turn my homework in from now on. Okay. That would be resilient. Or I failed the class because I'm such a loser. I always forget my homework and something is wrong with me. (laughs) In the second example, this self talk, right? This negative self talk it will result in one of two things. If a kid picks up this idea, like, well, I failed a class, I'm a loser, I always forget my homework, something is wrong with me, or some version of that. If they think that, they will either continue to prove that that's true, forgetting homework, failing more classes, and get to be right, (laughs) or they're gonna use this fear and pressure I'm such a loser. I always forget my homework. Something is wrong with me to motivate them to never miss another homework assignment again and to, you know, bully themselves into turning their homework on, on time. So neither of these examples is modeling resilience. Resilient children recognize that we're all human and humans make mistakes. When we're resilient, we forgive ourselves for our mistakes and we learn from them. Resilient children can accept the things they cannot control. When we let go of the things we cannot control and focus on what we do have control over, oh my goodness, does life become easier. The reason some kids don't bounce back from hardship is that they pick up a negative belief and carry it forward. Something like, bad things always happen to me, nobody cares about me, We call these negative beliefs dirty pain. Dirty pain will keep you stuck in negative emotions and cause you to feel like a victim. It's awful, honestly. (laughs) Dirty pain feels terrible. When you get coached on your dirty pain, you feel like 100 pounds has been lifted off your shoulders. It is such an amazing, like, life-giving exercise to get coached on your dirty pain. Clean pain is a genuine emotion that feels healthy and healing. When your friend stops communicating with you, stops texting, stops calling, stops wanting to get together, there is some clean grief around losing that friendship and the expectation that it would continue. It's okay to let yourself be sad about that. If your friend's lack of communication causes you to pick up a dirty pain belief like nobody likes me, people I care about always leave me. Then you wanna rush yourself to a life coach ASAP (laughs) before those beliefs become embedded and you start to create evidence to prove that they're true. Okay, this is kind of how life works. We like to be right. So if we have a negative belief, like nobody likes me, we act in a way that causes people to dislike us. If we believe that people find me fun and friendly, we act in a way that proves that is true. So you really want to watch out for the dirty pain beliefs that we can pick up from a hardship like COVID or online learning or whatever. So Sabrina wants to know, how can I model resilience when I just want to cry? Well, here's the good news. The best way to model resiliency for your kids is to cry. Let yourself be sad. Resilience is not putting on a happy face and forcing optimism. It's letting yourself experience the clean pain of disappointment You expected your kids to have a traditional school experience with football games and after-school clubs. You expected school to offer close relationships with teachers and peers, dances, sports, spirit week. It is absolutely okay to be disappointed. That's the appropriate emotion. When we try to push down this emotion and force ourselves to look at the bright side, it actually delays the healthy processing of emotions. If you can allow yourself to have your disappointment, the emotion will pass through you like clouds in the sky. It's just going to (laughs) leave. Let yourself be sad. We tend to think there are good and bad emotions. We think happiness and excitement are good, sad and disappointment are bad, but this is not true. All emotions are good. When your dog dies, you want to be sad. The sadness feels like healthy, appropriate grief. This clean pain helps heal us. So let's take this example. Your kid knew that the lacrosse team was set up for a winning season. Of course, he's going to be disappointed when it gets canceled. Of course, you're going to miss your teammates. You'll miss the competition, the traveling tournaments, everything. Feeling disappointed is the perfect emotion. If somebody tries to talk you out of disappointment and tells you to look at the bright side, it's going to feel icky because you need to grieve the loss of what you were looking forward to, the loss of your expectation. We need to cry and grieve and let go of our expectations before we feel ready to think positively. You don't want to think happy thoughts until after you've processed the negative emotion. So my best advice to Sabrina on how to model resilience for her kids is to write a list of all the reasons why she's sad And let herself be sad for each one. If a plane crashes, you wouldn't have one funeral for all the passengers on board. It would feel impersonal and it would lack closure. We need to grieve for each individual person, honor their life, show love for each family in order to experience that healthy, appropriate grief that helps us move forward. Okay? I think the same is true for this pandemic and all its repercussions. So, my suggestion for Sabrina and anybody else that is feeling sad and doesn't want to, or feels like they're resisting emotions, they're trying to be happy, they're trying to look at the bright side, they're trying to model resiliency, please do this exercise. Write a list of all the reasons why you're sad, the specific things that you are grieving the loss of. So I had quite a list. My list was very long, right? In the beginning of this coronavirus, I had to grieve the loss of the trip that I was you know, actually heading to the airport when I found <laughs> out my flight had been canceled. I had to grieve the loss of my canceled trip to Europe this summer. I grieved the loss of my daughter's volleyball season. She finally, I mean, she's gotta be like 5'11 now. <laughs> I wanted to see her use that height, That's like the best part of being so tall is to get to be the middle on your volleyball team. I cried and grieved the loss of not getting to see my brother and his family this year. They live in Australia and they come up every summer. And man, I missed each of my nephews. (laughs) And so write down like each person that you wanted to see and didn't get to see. I'm grieving the loss of my big birthday celebration I was going to have, my well, sorority sister was going to come out and I was going to get to spend time with her and I haven't seen her for decades. Well, maybe not decades, but it's, I haven't got to travel with her for decades. So each little grief can make you sad and you want to name it, just like you would name a passenger on the airplane and you would say, this is why I'm sad. Just like we want to name George Floyd and we want to say his name out loud and say, I honor his loss. That we we got to say, like, I'm letting myself cry over the fact that my good friend was super sick with COVID and I couldn't be there. I couldn't help her. I, her, and her family did a sucky job. <laughs> of taking care of my friend and I wished that I could have gone over to her house and cooked her food and brought her tea and all those things. So be sad for each individual loss. Respect them. Tell your kids about your sadness. Ask them about theirs. You might be surprised how different your sadness is from your kid's. And you might notice you have a lot more sadness than your children do, a lot more grief, and we're going to talk about why that is. So once you're done grieving, readjust your expectations to fit the new reality. I think everybody deserves a life coach to help them through this crazy time. Like this is the perfect time to have a life coach because you're constantly having to shed old beliefs, dirty pain, all the thoughts that aren't, are no longer serving you. You want to get rid of them as quickly as possible. If you or your kids are stuck in some dirty pain, hire a life coach. Life coaching helps people let go of things that aren't working for them so you can smoothly and easily navigate change. Want to model resilience for your kids? Step one, grieve, cry, and be sad about each specific loss of expectation. So as soon as school starts, you're going to have some some all new grief right? Grief that online learning is happening. Grief about no fall sports. Grief over no spirit week, whatever. Just socializing. (laughs) Step one, grief. Step two, accept things you cannot control and readjust your expectations to the current reality. Step three, take the stigma out of hiring help. When you hire a life coach, not because your life is terrible, but because you value living joyfully and you deserve to feel better, your kids will learn that they deserve to be happy too and that there are people trained to help create that. Today's life coaching answer, what gets in our way from taking these three steps or kind of letting go and doing this clean grief moving forward One of the things that gets in the way is future focus versus past focus. So the younger we are, the better we tend to be at letting go and moving on. Sure, there were a lot of high school seniors who were disappointed at how their school year ended up, but oh my gosh, what is was it a lot harder on the parents. Moms especially took the absence of graduations and proms really, really hard, where most teens bounced back quickly from this disappointment. Why is that? Why does youth make us more resilient? Well, the younger we are, the more in touch with our emotions we are. We can't help but let ourselves feel sad when we are sad. We cry more easily. We throw fits when we're younger. The older we get, the better we become at stuffing these emotions down. We avoid them. We scroll on our phones. We argue. We drink wine. We have all these ways of buffering our emotions and just trying not to feel sad. So parents can take a lesson from young children on how to allow emotions to move through you. When you let your body move with the emotion, cry, yell, stomp, vent, it's over. It's done with watch your kids who express sadness and disappointment. Watch them how they cry, they yell, they stomp, they hit things, whatever. And then watch them afterwards. Notice how they release it. It's not dirty pain. They don't hold on to it and carry it forward. It's just a clean release of pain. And then they're ready to move on to the next thing. The other reason that young children are better at handling disappointment than parents is that children and teens tend to be more future-focused. We are always asking kids questions like, are you excited to move on to middle school? Or we talk about what life going to be like for you after high school when you go off to college. It's going to be so great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be like this. We ask them questions like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" or "How does it feel to be one year older? You're double digits now. Woohoo! You're a teen." Like we ask them these questions that get their brains focused on the future. We are constantly, I mean, teachers do this, right? Like, well, when you get to fourth grade, you're going to need to know how to write. So let's learn now. (laughs) We teach and train our children's brains to look forward. We don't talk to kids much about like, remember how great second grade was? Don't you miss your best friend from preschool? This future focus helps kids move on from the past and look forward to what's coming up next. As we get older, we tend to be more past-focused. We remember their cuteness on the first day of kindergarten. We get sentimental about those, like, school photos and lunchboxes and field trips. We think about our old high school days and how all the good times and the fun we had and how, you know, our glory days of playing sports. We miss seeing. Like, they're friends. Like when they're like, like as a parent, I really miss my children's friends from elementary school. And like, it's hard for me when like, they don't talk anymore. And like, oh yeah, I lost touch with her. I'm like, wait, but I really liked that friend. You know, it's, we, we tend to, as parents look backwards more than our kids do. The kids are just like, I moved on. You know, she's, I don't want to be friends with her anymore. (laughs) When we find out and that our children's school experience is not going to be what we expected, we think about all the things we enjoyed that our children won't be experiencing. This is a past focus. So take a look at where your thoughts are wandering and see if you are past or future focused. You might think you're future focused because you're thinking about this school year and all the things that they're not going to happen for them, but... I would say, like, look back and say, well, why does that bother you? Like, why is that sad? Because you're thinking about your high school days or you're thinking about what you thought was going to happen and those old expectations that we now need to let go of. I used to wonder why some moms cried at their kids' like milestones, like kindergarten graduations and eighth grade graduations or, you know, moving on ceremonies, whatever. And like, why do some moms cry at all of these little events and others don't? It was like it was the same moms (laughs) at every vet. You could always count on who was going to cry and who wasn't. So I started asking them, because of course I'm nosy. (laughs) I said, what are you thinking about that makes you cry? Like what's going on inside your head? And sure enough, the sad moms were thinking about the past, thinking about how it's never going to be the same and their kids are moving on and stuff. They're not going to be hugging them anymore. And they're not going to get to be involved in their school parties anymore. And future thinking moms were focused on the next adventure awaiting their kiddo. So the quicker you let go of what you thought this year was going to be like, those old beliefs and expectations, the more you can adapt to the reality as it's presenting itself today. Not good, not bad, just different. This pandemic is bringing up a lot of dirty pain for people. So, another way to encourage resilience in your kids is to help them connect with their spirit. Schools, sports, friends, they're going to come and go. But if kids have a connection with the part of them that is connected with the divine, this is what I'm calling your spirit. That they can find peace and joy no matter what. That peace and joy does not come from football games <laughs> and lacrosse tournaments and even from, you know, in-person connections with friends at school and teachers. Certainly it helps, but there is another source of joy if you can connect with your spirit. So you might hear people say like, Oh, everything happens for a reason. Well, people like to think that because it gives them a spiritual connection to something bigger than themselves. I personally do not abide by that philosophy. If it feels good to you, then go for it. But it doesn't feel good to me when I see people suffering. And I think everything happens for a reason. Like that feels kind of mean and lacking in compassion. So I don't hold on to that belief But you can see why people do. It gives them a connection to their spirit, to the divine, to some sort of bigger plan. The philosophy I hold on to during this pandemic is that we are witnessing a transformation of human consciousness. While structures fall apart around us, people are rising up. People are becoming more compassionate and more spiritually aware. This just feels good to me to think this thought. Our ego is different than our spirit. Our ego does not like all the changes and the lack of predictability and the lack of control, but our spirit can stay strong. Slowly, we are it's kind of like we're all being forced onto this spiritual awakening, whether we like it or not. We're burning up the illusions that we were ever in control. We were always just leaves blowing in the wind. We just didn't know it. Now we're aware of how little control we actually have, which means our ego is letting go and our spirit is coming alive. So holding this optimistic view keeps me out of despair or fear while things crumble around me. Only the ego is afraid because it knows it's losing control the spirit isn't attached to the ego it's isn't attached to any particular outcome or agenda the spirit lives in continual creative response to whatever presents itself so maybe the best way to model resilience is to learn from our children who are better at this than we are feel our genuine feelings Focus on the future, not the past. Accept reality as it is. Stay connected to spirit while dissolving the ego's sense of control. Today's Supermom Kryptonite, what drains your energy, is trying to look at the bright side when you aren't feeling it. So we often resist negative emotions because we think we can't handle them. We think, uh-uh, I don't want to open that can of worms. Like, if I start crying, who knows when I'll stop. <laughs> so we avoid them. But pushing down emotions, it's not difficult. It's kind of like holding a beach ball underwater. You can do it. Not hard. But over time, our arms get tired. We get distracted. And inevitably, this beach ball is going to come rocketing up back to the surface with full force and sometimes an explosion. <laughs> So pushing down emotions can make them explode up with more power than the situation called for. When we avoid our emotions, it makes it hard to allow our kids to have theirs. When we're trying not to feel sad, we can't watch our kids' sadness. We can't sit with them and be a compassionate witness to their pain. We try to cheer them up, or get them to think of the bright side so that we can feel better, so that we can continue to avoid our own sadness. When kids feel like their negative emotions are not okay, they will either, number one, go hide in their room and try not to think about it, avoid their emotions just like us, push down the beach, ball underwater, suppress and avoid. Number two, share their feelings with someone else who gets it. If mom can't handle a kid's sadness, they'll find a friend or somebody else to share their feelings with. Number three, complain louder. Sometimes if parents don't validate a child's negative emotions, that child thinks, oh, well, clearly I need to be louder and more dramatic because my parents don't get it. So I have to exaggerate my negative emotions so that my parent will see this is really a problem. So, these three ways are the ways that kids, you know, can sometimes react when they feel like their negative emotions aren't okay. So, trying to force you or your kids to be cheerful when your spirit just needs to grieve is going to drain your energy and make life much harder. Better to allow yourself to feel sad, and then you can be a compassionate witness to your child's sadness. Today's Supermom Power Boost is solidarity, sister. (laughs) Solidarity is defined in the dictionary as unity or agreement of a feeling or action, especially among individuals with a common interest. So it's unity or agreement of a feeling. Solidarity makes us feel validated. I remember the first time I became aware of this. I was about 32 years old, I'm hanging out with a friend at a park while our kids played on the playground, and I happened to mention that my husband and I hadn't started saving money for retirement. I was feeling guilty and kind of scared because everything I'd heard or read said to start saving as early as possible. You know, my parents were like super responsible savers, so I was feeling like I was doing it wrong and kind of ashamed. So my friend, who I respected, she seemed to have her act together says they hadn't started saving e- either. And I felt this wave of relief wash over me. Suddenly, all the fear and the burden that I had felt for not saving for retirement was gone in an instant. Why? This was so bizarre to me. It didn't solve anything. Just because she hadn't saved her retirement, I felt better. I, But it was so weird. It's like suddenly... It's not like I was suddenly a responsible saver with money in the bank, right? Like it didn't just flood my bank accounts with cash. So why did it feel so much better to know I wouldn't be alone in my cardboard box under the bridge? It was so weird, but hey, it works. When we're suffering, we feel better knowing others are suffering too. The good news is there are always suffering people on the planet, (laughs) That's good news. The bad news is they don't always post their suffering on Instagram. So social media can make us feel like we are alone in our fear and pain because it's filled with pictures of our friends feeling happy, having fun. When we feel sad and alone, but nobody else seems to, it can increase our feelings of inadequacy, of grief, of aloneness. Help your kids feel supported by telling them about the struggles of others. This could be people you know who are having a hard time. Like maybe you heard, oh, so-and-so just, you know, she was really looking forward to going off to college and then they canceled it and got sick and had to move home, right? So hearing about other people who are sad, disappointed, grieving, that can make us feel weirdly better. (laughs) But you can also tell your kids stories about famous people who had a really hard time, or, you know, it's like listening to stories of Michael Jordan and how he didn't make his high school basketball team and how he, you know, had to fight and struggle and have losses and built resiliency from that, right? Like, so stories of resilient people can help your children feel better. But you can also tell them about yourself. Like what were some of the struggles that you had as a kid? Tell them about how you wanted to go out for the cheerleading squad, but you were too embarrassed. Or you wanted to try out for the school play, but you knew your friends would make fun of you. And so you didn't. Tell your kids those stories. Because I know it doesn't feel like we're perfect parents, but they tend to look up to us as though we never make mistakes. We never got a bad grade. Tell them, Tell them about when you got a D in geometry and you had to go to summer school. Tell them about all of this. It will help them feel less alone and help them build resilience. If your child is sad and you're always trying to get them to look at the bright side, they won't feel supported. Give them the gift of solidarity by sharing your grief, your disappointment, and your past struggles today's quote of the day, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. That is a quote from Helen Keller, somebody who knows about resilience. You guys have a wonderful day. I will love you and leave you. Take care want a free life coaching session, go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question, and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.